hard for me to choose this one because it's like three different models. Understood, yeah. Good morning, Genesis. My name is Heather. I'm so excited to lead you in worship this morning. My prayer is that we would not end the way we are beginning. My prayer is that we would all be changed in this time together, myself included, because I could certainly use a little, um, a little Jesusing. I invite you to stand if you're able. If you want to just sit and um, let the music wash over you, please worship as you like. Let's sing together.
Be seated. Now is the time to do our testimonies. So I was thinking about the lyrics and the power in the name of Jesus and the way that that name takes shape and form and manifests around us. And then we see the kingdom of God breaking into our world. And so those are the moments that we were looking to capture. And so as you're thinking about what you might share, I'll give you one from my life. Uh, yesterday, uh, we had Mercedes uh, graduation um, open house. And yeah, you can give her a hand. She did the work. Um, but there was a there were a couple moments that were super powerful where um, I felt like uh, God was just tapping me to just kind of notice what it looks like um, when the kingdom surrounds your kids. And one of them was her community of friends that came out to support her. Uh, when I graduated high school, I went to zero graduation open houses. Uh, I did not go to prom. And I went to one home, homecoming over four years. Like I did not, I had zero school spirit. And so it was just like really powerful to see all these kids showing up. 
And I was like, did you know they were coming? And she was like, I didn't know they were coming. I didn't give them invitations. Uh, so luckily, um, the next piece that I saw uh, God's kingdom showing up was in the provision um, of food for the party and that people brought food unsolicited and with the uh, non-RSVP'd guests that showed up, we needed that and that was just amazing. But there was another piece to it too, which I think is a confession that um, two, probably two years ago, uh, Mercy said she wanted to go to college. And I think that I have had anxiety since then about the finances. And week after week, month after month, for the last probably seven months, um, Mercy has gotten notified about different scholarships that she's received. And there's this, uh, there's different ways that we can view God, um, that there's scarcity like there's only there's only this much and so it's got to be divided out or that god's goodness is always enough and there's always more than enough and that it somehow it replenishes and i think that that is has been the space that god has had me in of uh that god is going to show what is enough for mercy and for us, for her to be able to go to college to pursue her education in a way um, where we actually see it as miraculous in God's provision through all sorts of interesting scholarships that I didn't know existed and that I didn't know that she had applied for. So that's even, that's even better. So where else have you seen God at work? If you wanna raise your hand and I'll come to you. Hello, I'm Sam. This uh, past week was the end of my school year, so that's always nice. At the beginning of the school year, my cousin prayed for each of me and my siblings, and he said he felt he had this sense that God was telling him that this would be the year I would learn peace. And it has, I don't know how much this counts for. I'm only 17, but it has been like the toughest year of my life. I've struggled a lot with anxiety, self-worth issues, both my circumstances have been difficult in various ways and my internal life, but through it all, God has been proving again and again that he can be relied on, that he's a resource that does not go away. And I've learned a form of much more lasting peace through that. So his, my cousin's prediction came true, and I'm really grateful for that. Who else? Over here. Thank you. Um, I'm going to keep my promise that about four months ago, when I was doing testimony, remember that was the Sunday we, we prayed for Pastor Bull? And I mentioned that every Sunday I would look over here in this pew, and I said when Carmel came and sat in the exact spot every Sunday, I was going to come over to her, and I'm going to try to jump. I was going to say, praise God, praise God, 
Now, what are you going to, she's here now, what are you going to do? Just sit there and say nothing? Come on. Amen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh. God is good. And we're looking forward. I know you're going to have something to do with your significant other. <laughs> right. So that was my promise, and I kept my promise. And um, where's the boys over here? Thank you. Praise God. Anyone else? All right. Ed. Morning. I'm Ed. I've met many of you. Um, I uh, came down to Detroit Royal Oak three and a half years ago because God called me down here. And I volunteer at UD Jesuit in the campus ministry department. And one of the things I get to do is go on retreats with seniors at the school. And we do this five times a year. I probably do it once or twice a year with them. It's an unbelievable blessing for me. I feel almost selfish standing up here and talking about this because I get to witness his hand on these young men. I get to witness miracles as these young men go from, yeah, I'm not sure I want to be here to I've accepted Jesus. I'm, I'm accepting his call. I'm going to live the rest of my life in accordance with this call. And I know he's at work because Satan's there too. And we had a young man who stood up. Everybody gets to st stand up and re uh, reflect on what they're hearing from other students and the adults who were there. And this young man stood up and was very defiant. He said, I don't hear God. I don't see God in anything. I don't see him in all things. And Lord, I'm kind of angry at you if you're there because you're not paying attention to me. Within ooh, an hour, he was in a prayer group with his small group. And he suddenly like stood up and said, whoa, I just heard my name. And it transformed him because he, he had not expected this. He, he was very defiant about it. And the Lord put his hand right on his shoulder and said, I'm here. So praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Hello. Um, I'm Karina. Mine is pretty similar to what my brother Sam said. So my cousin, Levi, he prayed for me, too, before this year. And part of what he recommended was that I need to sort of like, he said that like I had good character and I could just like show who I was to the people at my school. And I didn't need to like hide who I was and that God could work with that. And my biggest concern about doing that was not having friends because we all know what middle school is like. But I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And it turns out I was like not giving my friends enough credit because they're totally like, you're Christian? Cool, we can work with that. Like, that's fine, they didn't care at all. And like, and they really stood by me through a lot of stuff. Like, I used to feel like, oh, but 
my friend, she has depression. So like, I shouldn't ask herself, I should be helping her. But I was just like, I wasn't giving them enough credit for what they could do. Like, they're like, you can help us and we can help you at the same time. That's how friendship works. And like, I think our bonds became a lot closer this year. And that was awesome. All right, back here. Mine is kind of a plug for the picture frame painting on Saturday for Humble Design. Um, I just wanted to share one of the stories of why it's a special thing to do. Um, we did a house for a single dad with four kids. And at the reveal, only two of his kids could be there. And there was like a two-year-old boy and he had a four-year-old brother. And the four-year-old brother couldn't be there and they were going to share a room. Well, as soon as he saw the living room and saw his brother's picture, like he picked it up and showed him around the room. And it was just really just so special of just like seeing him react that way and then like later when he saw his and his brother's room he ran back out and got the picture and brought him into the room and then took him back out to the living room but just um it may seem like a really small thing but it is just a huge blessing to the families that we serve Hi guys, I'm Nikki, I'm the family ministry director, I feel kind of out of place, I'm usually playing with the kids, I'm usually upstairs, um, but our school year is coming to a close, and our summer programming has started, and you'll see many of the little faces around here and their fantastic testimonies as well. Um, all summer long, they're going to start in service with us. Um, and then they go upstairs, and I say they get five minutes of Jesus, a song of worship, and then we play. That's what we do, and our middle schoolers and high schoolers serve. So you'll see we've got one sitting back here, coffee bar in classrooms. Um, but on top of that, I have, well, I didn't do it. Jenny did it. Part of, part of the team, it's myself, Manya, and Jenny. Manya's always right there. She's our loudest presence behind the garden desk. And Jenny is usually with our middle schoolers and high schoolers, and I'm usually upstairs with our treehouse kids. Um, but we put together, nope, Jenny put together um, a year of what we've done upstairs with our family of volunteers, because y'all, we've got the best team of volunteers that speak truth and life into our kids, and it's reciprocal. We take so much away from our kids and being with them, but we wanted to show you what we do. So enjoy a year of fun in the treehouse and middle school and garden, etc.
best. You can be the King Kong banging on your chest. You can beat the world. You can beat the war. You can talk to God, go banging on his door. You can throw your hands up. You can beat the clock. You can move a mountain. You can break rocks. You can be a master. Don't wait for luck. Dedicate yourself and you can find yourself. So that's us guys. You're always welcome to come and check us out and to play with kids. I swear it's so much fun. Okay. And all my kiddos that are in service right now, we've got Miss Allie and Ryan and Miss Chris in the back. You guys can head upstairs. Um, welcome to Genesis. Hi, my name is Karina. Please take a moment to let us know you're here by filling out either your digital connection card on our website or the physical green card on your pew. 
If you're new to Genesis, text new to Genesis to 94000. You can place that fiscal green card in the wooden box at the back of the sanctuary. This is also where you can place your offering if you have brought it with you. Thank you to all who give online or through text. For people on Zoom or Facebook, we are taking communion after the teaching today, so grab some elements in your house for connection time. When Humble Design welcomes a family home, one of the things the family loves seeing most is their framed family photos. Before they sit on the couch or lay on their beds, they spot the first picture and search for all the others designers print out for them. A lot of picture frames get donated to the warehouse, some cuter than others. To help make them the most usable, please join our Love in Action painting frames for Humble Design from 2 to 4 p.m. on Saturday, June 24th at the church. As a church, we want to be in rhythms of celebration and are constantly looking for new ways to celebrate what God is doing in and through us. We want to highlight this by having the bulletin board out in the sanctuary covered with cards that tell the stories of the ways we are seeing this. These are the prompts that we would love to hear you thinking about throughout the week. In the last week, have you shown Jesus-like love to another person? In the last week, has someone loved you like Jesus does, and how? How has God gotten your attention this week? Has someone stood out to you as a person to encourage? Please add your stories to the board in the lobby. Now it's connection time. <laughs>
as you're coming back from connection time, as you're making your way to your seats. I just wanted to express a little bit about this song I'm going to sing called I Speak Jesus. And when I first heard it, I thought Jesus as a language, like I heard it, I speak Jesus, like I speak Spanish. And I thought, but we don't want Jesus to be like a special language. We want Jesus to be accessible. And then I realized that it's I speak Jesus as a prayer. I speak Jesus over you. I speak Jesus into a situation. That just changed my whole thought process about this song. So you may have heard this song on the radio. You may have heard someone else sing it. You may have worshiped with it before, but it is new to me. And so I'm excited to share it with you and just to speak the name of Jesus over the situations that it names in the song, but also over each of you and your personal situations. just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind because I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Shout Jesus from the mountains. 
Good morning. My name is Bo. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is my wife, Carmel. And so we opted to do something a little bit different this morning. Well, one, second Sunday is always a discussion Sunday. Um, but when, and we're following a group of scriptures. There's a church, there's a global church that um, chooses to teach similar, it's easy to emphasize similar stories in the life of Jesus as a weekly pattern. It's from the revised common lectionary. And so we've been following that. And so it, all it does is place, it's like, here's the emphasis for this day. And so when we were looking at that, um, I saw one of the teachings, one of the readings for today, that was a very specific story that I knew that connected to Carmel. And she had been sharing with that with me recently. And so I, I said, would you be willing to share this morning some of your thoughts on this? And she said, yes. I'm like, hey, do you want to videotape that or do you want to go in on Zoom? And she says, no, I want to be here in person. And so that's what we have done. A reason for this, too, is that as um, Karina had shared, we had that board out there that talks about just the different things that makes us unique as a community. And one of those is that our heroes are you guys, everyday people who live and love like Jesus. Those are our heroes. Secondly, we're authentic and we're vulnerable. And so I know that Carmel models that sort of authenticity and vulnerability. And so she's going to be sharing from that space. And so with that, I know that it's not a small thing to share from that kind of posture. It's a monstrous kind of thing. But I know she's always been one to rise up to vulnerability and authenticity. And so she's going to be sharing out of that. And so and then the, uh, the other one on that board is that we embrace the margins, which means we embrace people who find themselves on the margins. And so today, even the text is just filled with those kinds of stories. 
So that's what we're going to do today, and we're going to create room for you to have conversation and learning around a pocket of people, and we're also going to take communion together. So again, if you're on Zoom, be sure to grab the elements for that. So we're going to kind of break this up into two. I'm going to share a little bit about a first part of the scripture and the story and the life of Jesus, and then Carmel's going to take it in the second part. So that's our plan for this morning. Sound good? And then you guys are going to have discussion. If it doesn't sound good, I'm actually not going to do anything different, so... So um, here but you are. First, we are going to acknowledge that this is between two ferns. And stuff, right? <laughs> like everyone, does anyone watch? Nobody watches that. <laughs> and it will probably be just as awkward as oh, that show. It will. It so will be ready. Be. So let me put on my glasses. And this is um, the t- both of the stories are from Matthew nine. And so let me put on my glasses, and we'll we'll <laughs> we'll read this first one. And so Matthew 9, this is verses 9 to 13 in the life of Jesus. Let me just pause and, and breathe and in my breathing pray. <sighs> Father, you're in us and among us and with us. You're a teacher, a provider, a caregiver, a savior. We consent to you and your love and to your goodness. And so with that, our ears are open, our minds are open, and our eyes are open for you to be illuminated and to illuminate as you choose to do it. Let us see you in each other. Let us hear from you in each other. Um, Let us experience you in each other and in the accounts that you have left for us. Amen. Amen. Matthew 9, 9 to 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew, this is in the book of Matthew, sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told them, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So this is a small little story in the life of Matthew. And many believe that it was Matthew, the disciple, who wrote this story. But yet when he tells his story, he tells so little of it. Here's the story. I was sitting at a booth, a tax collector booth. I'm a tax collector. Jesus said, follow me. And I said, sure. That's his story. But what Matthew really tells is the story of what happens next. For this next story could summarize Jesus and Matthew's life and so much of it that he was like, this is the story. This is the specificness. Yeah, Jesus welcomed me, and I welcomed Jesus. That's the story. And then Matthew's friends came, and Jesus welcomed them. That's the story. Jesus welcomed Matthew, and Matthew welcomed Jesus. It's that clear, it's that simple, and that is the story. And so as we read this, this beautiful calling of Matthew, Matthew is sitting at a table of extortion and coercion, a tax collector booth. 
We're going we're gonna to take what's yours. But yet Jesus welcomes Matthew, and Matthew welcomes Jesus. I was reading from, um, his name is Rowan Williams. He wrote a book called um, Being Christian. He was like the 144th Arth- Archbishop of Canterbury. Um, I don't even know what that means, or that doesn't mean anything to me. It might mean something to you. But he was, he was a bishop, and he wrote this book. And he, and he writes beautifully, and this is, this is what he wrote in there. And he says that we are all guests of Jesus, as the story of Matthew sort of depicts. We are there because he asks us, because he wants our company. His welcome gives us courage to open up and welcome him. We're set free to invite Jesus into our lives and literally receive him. And one of the ways that we're set free to invite Jesus into our lives and to literally receive him into our bodies is in communion. And today we will practice this being welcomed by Jesus and welcoming him into us by eating together. So we are welcomed and we welcome. This is what the story of Matthew looks like. He's welcomed by Jesus and he welcomes Jesus. We welcome God and we welcome our unexpected neighbors. And this is what happens in the story of Matthew. He's eating there and all of his unexpected neighbors come. We are all invited guests and we're given the freedom to invite others to be guests as well. But in this story, a certain group of people have an issue with these guests who Jesus is sitting with, and they cannot see why Jesus chose to be there with them and to eat with them. And so when they're questioned by that, why are you choosing to eat with people the likes of this? Jesus gives an answer, and he points them to a prophet named Hosea. And he says, for all the learning you have, you haven't learned this. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus is wanting them to learn. He's trying to teach people about God through this prophet. There is this word from God about what God is like, and Jesus knows that they haven't understood it. They haven't learned it. Like Sam this morning, when he was sharing, Sam, when you were sharing your testimony, and you said, my cousin spoke this word to me about, I think you have something to learn about peace. And you're like, okay, I mean, and you could have done like a little study. I know what peace means. But when you told us about the learning, it was a learning through experience. You experienced peace in your life. And so Jesus was like, hey, uh, you haven't learned this. I desire peace mercy. You haven't learned this. Go and learn what this means, not sacrifice. So I loved your story, Sam, because you're kind of giving us an insight into what it means to learn something, mm-hmm. is to experience it deeply. And so Jesus is saying, you don't know this yet. You don't know a God who desires to extend and to show and to be merciful and desires his children to show mercy. And this is what Jesus is inviting them into. They've missed it. There's a revelation of God that they do not have right, and Jesus is trying to make it clear by welcoming all to his table. Now, in this story, as well as this tax collector story uh, um, in, in, this, in, the, in this way of these tables that people have not been welcomed to. For some, God's table has seemed to be kind of very similar to the tax collector's table where their table was about coercion, um, extortion, and exclusion. 
For many people, when they think about if God had a table where he welcomed people to it, it's been one where they've been extorted, excluded, or coerced, meaning, uh-uh, you better get your stuff in order. Uh, no, you're going to pay a you're going to have eternal torment unless you, you know, like it feels that way instead of the opposite of a table it's like i want your company a god who welcomes us to the table the temple jesus even said that the temple in jesus's day was this way he said that you're keeping people you're excluding from this people and you've made it a den of thieves it's extortion jesus said hey the temple table is very much like the tax collector table and as a sign of that, he flipped the tables, saying, man, this, this, this household that excludes people is not the household of God. He made it clear. Maybe you experienced this kind of table in a church, one of extortion, one of coercion or exclusion. This is not what God's table is like. And Jesus even spoke over these tables today in Matthew in, in Luke 17 where he says do not cause don't trip up a little one from coming to me if you do it'd be better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into the sea don't cause my little ones to stumble over coming to me and so today we're going to experience and sit at this table of Jesus because God's table is about mercy welcome inclusion and giving and this is why Jesus called his people around a table and he told them to remember and so there's a few thoughts we're gonna lead you into discussion for that and today we're gonna we're gonna take communion and uh, in it they're gonna lead you through that that this is a place of welcome for those who deeply need it and as we sit around this table and we know that so often when we sit around the table, there's all these voices of accusation that come up. What are they doing here? Your life's a mess, all of this. But I invite us all to, to not listen to the voices of accusation, but to listen to the look from the voice of Jesus and let Jesus answer as we come to the table. To hear Jesus' answer that says, I've come from you, I welcome you. You are welcomed. And he wants us to welcome and in our eating we welcome jesus let jesus give an answer for you being at the table and so we're going to practice that here in a minute after our groups but i'm going to hand this over to carmel for her insights and thoughts into this other passage from today okay. <laughs> um, so i get to talk or speak about um the next section which is, did we decide that we wanted me to read yeah, for 18 um, or just 20? Okay, just live correction here. Um, so uh, Matthew 9, this is verse 20. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. I was excited to talk about this um, because I relate to this woman's suffering so much. 
most of you know, or else guess what? Here's a story. I have suffered from chronic illness for the majority of my life. And uh, so to, to have Bo ask me to talk about a woman's suffering, I felt really honored. And I also felt excited that I get to honor her. Um, so I want to let you know that whenever I read in the Bible, someone who's battling chronic illness, I get the proverbial magnifying glass out. And not the real one, because I'm not like, I'm not old like Bo, who <laughs> needs glasses. I'm gonna drop a lot of old jokes as much as I can. It's all I have left. I like to, I like to make fun of the fact that he's older. Um, and so this is, this is, these are, I'm just gonna share with you, here's what jumped out to me in these two verses. Now this woman gets a lot more airtime in Mark and other people wanna really tell you stories, but Matthew clearly is the brevity guy and is just kinda like, Bleh! here's what happened, and doesn't give you a lot. So, um, so we're gonna just try to focus on what Matthew does give us here, or if it was Matthew, I don't wanna get into the, <laughs> Bo was like, it might not be Matthew, it might be someone who was friends with Matthew and wrote it later in 80 AD. And I was like, I don't, I've already lost interest, I don't care. Um, so um, let's start with the words here that jump out at me. Verse 20, just then a woman who had been subject to, just that phrase, had been subject to, it's passive. This, um, this didn't happen because of a decision she made. It didn't happen because she chose uh, to go a holistic route rather than traditional medicine. This happened to her. And anyone, anytime you talk to someone with chronic illness, disease, or those who have a disability, we will try to supply you with an answer why. Because we feel like we hear you asking it. Mostly probably out of self-preservation of like, how do I not get what this is? Um, and so, we feel that, like, why did this happen to you? What could you have done better? What choice could you have made instead? And so this phrase of her having been subject to reinforces with those that what those of us with disease and in the disabled community know, it happened to us. It happened to us. We couldn't control it. We couldn't make better decisions. It happened to us. There's the big answer. We were passive receivers of this. And most of us in this community wrestle with that question a lot. I do a constant risk-benefit analysis of almost every choice I make. So, um, whether I'm gonna go outside to water my flowers, should I make that decision or should I save that energy and do bedtime with the kids, even though bedtime with the kids exhausts me and watering the flowers engage, energizes me, 
but the flowers could be really risky the i could you know tank and then i really miss the kids and blah blah this is going through my brain 24 hours of, well no because i sleep a lot but a lot of hours of the day i am constantly thinking is this worth it what what it, how much more and so to to have this said in this way in the bible gives me freedom gives people like me freedom it happened to her it happened to you you couldn't decide the decision wasn't yours you were passive when the bible sticks up for someone pay attention so when the bible is saying this happened to her pay attention to that and emulate it so that when you see someone who's suffering you can ask better questions you can support them in a better way because you know it's happened to them so you can be able to to respond with freedom with freeing sentences like i'm so sorry this happened to you the next phrase that catches my attention is the phrase it says she had been subject to bleeding for 12 years and she came up behind him she snuck up on jesus why because she didn't think she was worthy of his thanks she didn't want to bother him she was avoiding causing a scene she touches just the edge of his cloak the thing that trails in dust just the edge most of us i imagine if we believed that jesus was going to heal us we would merely disrobe him in our aggression to get that healing i mean i would jump on his back and fully be like somebody hold him down i'm getting it this is happening and this woman thinks i oh, oh, i'm only worthy i'll sneak up i'll touch just the edge the dirty part nobody wants to touch that part i'll do that part because she believes that she is not worth it can you imagine the shame that she felt and believed in that she not only approached jesus behind his back but she took the tiniest bit she could again the text here is reminding us that this woman thought i'm not worth it why who had told her this oh everyone did because we know in biblical times they had some wacky ideas that anyone who bled was unclean if she's been bleeding for 12 years she's been dirty for a long time she is outside of society people know of her they know to make room don't touch her because then you're gonna have to go do your ritual cleansing and that's a whole thing so she knew she was isolated 
because everyone told her, you're isolated. We're not touching you. We don't want to get dirty. There you are on your own. And in verse 21, we notice that it says, she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I'll be healed. Do you know that she does not say it to anyone else? She says it to herself because that's the only person there for, for company to talk to. Nobody else gets it. Nobody else is going to come near her. She says it to herself. Matthew records hardly any details, but he's recording this part that you know, she said to herself, I'm going to touch his cloak and I'm going to get healed. Um, I, can you imagine being that isolated that you are just talking to yourself? Most of you are sitting near people, um, but I bet a ton of you, probably even right now, have massive group tasks going and messages and you could lift your phone and you could see a million responses. I know that I texted Molly Kimball on Friday about what was going to happen today. I, I mean, days in advance. I have long group texts about sandals. I have the, the minutia of my life is very important to some random people. And God bless them. And their, the minutia of their life is really important to me. Just as Karina was saying, like, oh, I'm not sure if I can, you never want to overburden someone. It's like, no, it's give and take. This is what we do. This is how we live and function. Not her. She's alone. And she's by herself. And so she talks to herself and says, here's our plan. This is a woman on the margins literally on the margins. She's touching a margin of his robe. She is coming up behind him because she doesn't think she deserves it. And this is where it feels tender to me. I know what a marginal life looks like. Although I am white and lowerish middle class and Italian Irish, so not one bit of prejudice is against me. I live a marginal life because of my poor health. Due to my health, I am excluded from company, from more friendships, from parties, from cookouts, from homes with pets, from the outdoors, from grass, from trees, from the sun, from the cold, from the heat, from hikes, from walks, from strong odors, from a lot. I'm alone a lot. But Jesus, is really clear in the, or God is really clear in the embodiment of Jesus, especially in this story, that not fitting in 
does not equal exclusion from God's family, his friends, and his banquets. <coughs> Jesus is clear that he sees everyone in a crowd. He notices who is there and who's not there. And he feels her brush against his cloak behind him and the phrase, he turns and sees her. And then he does the most beautiful part of this story. He names her. She's just been this woman or this woman who suffers. The whole story, well, I mean the two verses, but he calls her daughter. She's got a name now. She's got an identity. This is who you are. This is who she is. Jesus turns and sees. Did he need to turn around to see her? No. He's Jesus. He can feel everything. So why did he? Because he wants us to see her. Why are we given these two verses? He wants the crowd to hear her called daughter because they don't touch her. She's not wanted. He wants to celebrate her marginal life because he is a God who dwells in the margins. It tells me that he elevates those in the margin so they can be seen. He calls us by name. He does not exclude us. He sees us and he gives us his full attention. He loves us just as we are. My life bears witness to this. I approach Jesus face to face. I hear him identify me. I am still living a marginal life. I love that, Harvey, you're so excited that I'm here today. I can't guarantee I'm going to be here next week or the week after or the week after because air quality, lungs, chronic illness, disease. I live a marginal life. A life of suffering, a life of missing out, but Jesus is in the margins too. And he sees me, he sees you, he sees us. Even when we think we don't deserve it or should just stay behind him, he turns, he notices, and he elevates you. This is a God that is worthy of worship. This is a God who says, everyone is invited to the party. Everyone. It explains Matthew, his focus on the banquet, being so important on this feast, this party. Even as we heard from Nate that Mercy had people showing up to her party for no reason. Guess what? I bet she noticed them. Who do you notice that's on the margin? Who do you see 
living a half-life. What does this verse tell you about the way Jesus sees you, sees us? Do you feel that hope? Do you feel him say your name? Do you feel him say, just as you are, when I turn around and see you and I haven't healed you, I already call you daughter. Nothing's changed there. I'm just looking at you and I see you. Now I have a theory that I someday hope I get to expound on because I spent a lot of time thinking about it, um, about the difference between curing and healing and believing that Jesus is in the business of healing. He does curing, but he cares more about healing. And what's cool about this story is that you see it, that he turns and sees her and says, daughter. And according to Matthew, then she's healed. So he already loved her. He already saw her. He already noticed her. What an incredible God this is. I want you to be very excited. I am very excited by this story. Bo is saying, shh, no, 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 no Bo's not, Bo's not. There's no, our marriage is really good, you guys. It's not, there's not anything happening. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't. Thank you so much for your vulnerability and your authenticity. This is who we are. This is a marker of our community. And so um, we invite you to engage in the conversation because that's where learning happens. And so we've got some leaders that are ready. We have some people who are ready just to facilitate a conversation with a few, a few questions and we want to invite you around them. And at the end of it, your group is gonna come around a table because that's the picture, that's what the church has centered around for the last 2,000 years, a table. That was the picture that Jesus continued to say, hey, remember me, remember the table, you're welcome to it, come and eat. Accept me, receive me. And so we will do that around a table um, with your group. And so facilitators, would you stand so people can see where you are? And so we have Sandra right up in here, we have Julia right there in the middle, and then we have Maddie back there uh, behind the board we have trent who is sitting here we have jill there in the back and we have abby who is right there and i might pull in a group of people if there seems like there's too big of a pocket of people and take one more so try to pull around someone for a conversation they're going to lead you in that conversation and, and then you'll take communion as a part of that group and so carmel thank you so feel free to move, move close to engage in this conversation today around uh, one of those facilitators, and then we will go from there. I might jump in here in the front row since it seems so Abby will pull some people, Trent will pull some people, and I'll pull some people here in the front.